The Seahawks were hoping their quarterback competition was finally on full throttle. Unfortunately, that won't be the case with Drew Locke testing positive for COVID-19. We're going to be breaking down the breaking news here on our latest installment of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Tuesday episode, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks to all the 12s for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Today was supposed to be the day that the Seahawks quarterback competition got started. We're going to explain why that may not necessarily be the case moving towards Seattle's second preseason game. Plus, we're going to wrap up our coverage of the preseason opener in Pittsburgh, taking a look at some defensive takeaways and our three up, three down, which players on defense helped themselves and which ones didn't necessarily accomplish that in the Steel City. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. Rob, we were getting ready for this show, and we actually were searching for some news, and that quickly changed because Drew Locke was expected to start on Thursday against the Chicago Bears. He got his first extensive first-team reps in today's practice. It was a rough outing for him on the practice field, but nonetheless, Pete Carroll confirmed after practice all along the plan was for him to start this second preseason game That is not going to be the case now because 90 minutes after Pete Carroll spoke to the media, the Seahawks announced that Drew Locke had tested positive for COVID-19. And I hate to start to show off with this type of a question, but is this quarterback competition already over because of this? Because it feels to me like it certainly could be. Uh, Yeah, I I agree with you hundred percent there. And and first off, before we even get going, Corbin, uh, you know, Congratulations to you, to Natalia. Beautiful wedding. Uh, Welcome back, sir. It's good to have you back. Um, As far as the Seahawks, similar kind of thing. Before we kind of really break down Drew Locke and Geno Smith and um, if this uh, battle is over, um, I think just kind of it's we have to at least acknowledge just the seriousness of COVID. And so certainly wishing Drew uh, and his loved ones um, a speedy recovery. All of that said, it, it certainly felt like the, the the tide had started to change a little bit. That, that Drew Locke, um, while statistically he was very very similar to Geno Smith in the in the, the preseason opener against the Steelers, he did have those three those two touchdown passes. They were terrific throws. Uh, the two point conversion to Travis Homer really showed off the accuracy, the quick game that that Drew Locke provides. Um, and as you said, uh, you know prior to the news that Drew Locke has tested positive for COVID and will not play in this upcoming game against the Chicago Bears uh, after it had been, uh, you know, stated by, by Pete Carroll that Drew Locke would be the starter. He got his first day of, uh, you know, really working with the ones today in, in practice. And considering the news that we now have that he was sick, um, perhaps that is the reason why Drew Locke struggled as much as he did. You were there, Corbin. You had eyes on the field. Um, but every report I've heard so far is that Drew Locke arguably had his worst day 
throwing the football today. And that Geno Smith, on the other hand, had arguably his best day uh, of throwing the football. Three different touchdowns in the red zone and a beautiful deep ball uh, as well. So really kind of putting that exclamation point on his performance, something that Drew Locke consistently failed to do when he was working with the number two. So again, we're kind of burying the lead here. Again, we want Drew Locke to obviously get back healthy. And until he does so, yeah, I think that this basically is not a competition anymore. And, and Geno Smith has earned it. He played well against Pittsburgh and, again, had a, had a strong performance here as well. I will say this. I would not be surprised at all. We, we know that the third preseason game um, has traditionally, at least ever since they switched over to a three-game preseason format, has not been a game that the Seahawks have used their starters. But... I think that now we are in a different environment uh, and Drew Locke likely is going to get that starting opportunity. Will it matter? Who knows? But I do think it's interesting to note that the third preseason game for the CX is August 26th against Dallas, but they don't start their NFL season until September 12th against Denver. So that's a pretty big gap. So who knows? Maybe there's going to be another mock game that Pete Carroll will creatively try to add to continue this competition. But certainly as it stands right now, uh, you know, I, I think that Geno Smith has locked up, I hate to use that word, uh, you know, the, the starting position for the Seahawks just because he's got nobody to compete with right now with all due respect to Jacob Beeson, who now needs to be impressive against Chicago if he wants to make this roster. Yeah, that is certainly a wild card storyline out of this. What does Jacob Eason do with this opportunity? But nonetheless, right now the focus has to be on what this means for Drew Locke. As you mentioned, the third preseason game, the Seahawks might have to handle this much differently than what they anticipated just because they're not going to have Locke out there to really assess him in this second preseason game. And who knows how many players the Cowboys will even suit up for that third preseason game. A lot of times teams have like their 14th string defense in, in the third preseason game. And they're resting anybody that has an opportunity to make their final roster. And that might be how the Cowboys handle it in that game. But certainly today made me think of the children's book, Alexander and the no good, very bad day, because that's what it was for Drew Locke. It just, it started off great with promise. First two throws that he had in practice, he had a perfect throw to DK Metcalf and then he hit Tyler Lockett on a quick dump off and he raced up field for a 30 yard gain. So it looked like it was going to be a really good day for Drew Locke playing with the first team really for the first time on the practice field. And then from there, things just went downhill. 0 for 4 in their red zone period. Granted, really good coverage by the first team defense. A lot of tough throws he was trying to complete, but did not complete any of those passes. And then later gets intercepted by Tariq Woolen on a play that Pete Carroll called a special play. Woolen was going across the field and jumped a curl route when Locke was rolling out to his right. Probably a throw he should not have made. We haven't seen him make bad decisions like that. It carried over into today, though and made that bad decision and paid for it, really struggled. I had him down being 6-for-12, passing the football, no touchdowns, one interception. Geno Smith, on the other hand, 9-for-13 with four touchdown passes. Nearly half of his completions were touchdowns. Three of those were during the red zone period, so he had a better opportunity to find the end zone. But nonetheless, he was extremely efficient. He made maybe the best throw he's made all of training camp, rolling out to his right and hitting Penny Hart on a deep ball. He beat Kobe Bryant downfield with some late separation, 45-yard touchdown strike. So the longest touchdown he's had in camp. And so you know, things just did not go well for Drew Locke today. And Geno Smith maybe had his best practice on the flip side, playing with the twos. And then immediately after practice, had to have symptoms to be tested. 
gets tested and now he's positive for COVID-19. He's going to be out for a minimum of five days here. So this is just a crucial time for him to be out. I, you have to feel bad for Drew Locke. That's really the bottom line here. You've got to feel bad for him because I feel like he had earned this opportunity to get a start and try to make this a true quarterback competition. But I just don't think there's any way he can make this up now, Rob. Even if he starts in the third preseason game, like I said, the Cowboys are probably going to be playing their sixth, seventh, eighth string guys that are not going to be on the roster. I don't know how you can go into week one and say Drew Locke is our starter when you haven't had a true opportunity to evaluate him and you're not going to have that now. That's an excellent point. Um, you know, I, I would argue that, you know, Geno Smith and Drew Locke have, have each starred enough games in the NFL that I, I, as long as you feel comfortable that that Locke, in this case, understands the offense well enough, and every indication I have is that he does understand the offense, um, you know, then, then I, I do think that you still could make an argument that, that he could be the starter. I, I think that, that, you know, Geno Smith has to continue to play well and earn this job. But I, I think that Pete Carroll basically said it all today, Corbin, after practice. Um, you know, I'm not sure who are the beat writers is kind of asking the questions about the quarterbacks. And obviously it's the big topic, um, but they kind of asked him several times. And, and he, at one point, and I'm paraphrasing here, of course, but basically just said, you know, you don't even have to ask that. Gino is our number one. Um, and, and so to me, unless there is some type of groundbreaking news, um, then then that is going to be the case. And, you know, it obviously sets up nicely for an opportunity to go against, uh, you know, the Seattle's former uh, top quarterback in Russell Wilson in that September 12th game. Um, but at the same time, I, I do wonder if perhaps the Seahawks might get a little bit creative to try to allow just that much more of a competitive opportunity for Drew Locke because, you know, Pete Carroll, I mean, he lives for these types of competitions. I think that he was encouraged, at least I'm taking him by his word, and I have been encouraged by some of the caliber of throws that, that Drew Locke is making. I can see the upside, but the mistakes have been so big. Uh, you know, you talked about some of the, the late throws up the middle. We've seen that in, in person in camp. Obviously, the, the failing to recognize the, the free blitz are coming off the edge in the game yeah. that led to the fumble and lost the game. You know, I mean, there were so many opportunities for him to kind of take that away. And without he, without Drew Locke seizing that opportunity, I think Gino's the incumbent and, and the favorite at this point. We'll see if this competition continues once Locke returns. I believe Sunday is the earliest that he could return to the practice field with the CDC guidelines the NFL is now going by, and that would allow him to have ample time to get prepared for that third preseason game. But I, again, I just don't know that he is going to be able to make up any of the ground lost by not being able to play in the second preseason game. We shall see. Going back to the first preseason game, we still got to put a bow on that loss in Pittsburgh. We talked offensive takeaways yesterday on the show. Going to ship over to the defensive side of the football, taking a look at Boye Mafe and some of the other standouts for Seattle against Pittsburgh's offense. We'll get to that here in a moment. Before we talk defense from the preseason opener, I want to talk to you about a product that my wife and I use literally every day, and I'm enjoying saying wife, just so you guys know. We started taking AG1 from Athletic Greens because we wanted an easy, delicious way of improving our gut health, and we found it. With one delicious scoop of this green canister of AG1, we and you, as well, could be absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery focus, 
and aging. I certainly need all the help I can get in that category. It's lifestyle friendly. We drink it the first thing in the morning, even before we have our coffee. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, and it still tastes good. We've experienced better, sounder sleep and recovery. It supports mental clarity and alertness. Athletic Greens doesn't just make it easy to get healthy. It is easy to get too. That's because Athletic Greens is going to give one free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Tuesday edition. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's show, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks, as always, to all the 12s for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. The Seahawks kicked off their preseason on Saturday against the Pittsburgh Steelers in the Steel City. They fell 32-25, to a valiant comeback effort that came up just short. And though they gave up 32 points, Rob, Certainly, there were some positives on the defensive side of the football. I didn't have as many of them as on offense coming out of this game, but there were some bright spots, and I think it would be remiss not to mention Boye Mafe and the pass rush that was able to turn up the heat on Pittsburgh quarterbacks throughout this football game. Yeah, and it's it's nice because, of course, Boye Mafe has not turned in the quite as many splashy plays throughout training camp as, as perhaps that we had thought. Um, you know, but the last time that he was on a game that that mattered at all was the Senior Bowl, where he was a defensive MVP with, uh, you know, I think it was a couple of tackles for a loss, a couple of sacks, forced fumble. It looked like he just wanted to do the exact same thing uh, to another former Senior Bowl player and Kenny Pickett. Um, just a terrific. Terrific flashes from Boye Mafe. There were certainly some rough spots as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there were some missed tackles, and we'll talk about some of the missed tackles in a moment. But in terms of just his burst, in terms of his closing speed, uh, anybody who watched the game um, on, on the NFL uh, network um, and didn't get the, the, the Seattle's announcers, who, who did a great job, by the way, um, but the NFL network, it was Pittsburgh's announcers. And even to hear Pittsburgh's announcers kind of acknowledge Boye Mafe's closing speed on that fourth down tackle, the fourth down sack that basically gave Seattle an opportunity to win that football game. What I loved is not only Boye Mafe's speed, but complimenting Boye Mafe's speed on the outside was Miles Adams on the inside. Uh, Miles Adams had several tackles for loss in this game. And right before the fourth down stop that Boye Mafe had, Adams and Mafe almost had, I mean, they had the, the tackle for loss on third and short that set up that fourth down play. So like, again, to me, those were two of the absolute, uh, you know, difference makers that we have to talk about. And I think the Seahawks fans have got to be excited about that because obviously talking about Boye Mafe, a second round pick, talking about Miles Adams, former, uh, uh, undrafted free agent who was you know, cut his teeth on this roster. He has worked his way up this roster. And I thought that he had a terrific performance. Uh, you know, maybe we talked about Geno Smith, maybe has already sealed the deal at quarterback. Maybe Miles Adams has already sealed the deal as far as being an interior defensive lineman for the Seahawks. He's very different body type than some of Seattle's other big guys. So uh, I thought those were two spectacular individual performances that we certainly have to acknowledge. Yeah, I think when you look at Mafe going down and making a special teams tackle, then coming right back and having a strip sack on the very next play on defense, <clears throat> those are the kind of sequences that just are tantalizing as a football evaluator. You want to see more consistency from him, and it's going to take time. This is not a player, and Pete Carroll's acknowledged this, this is not a player that's ready to be an every-down linebacker in the NFL. He just isn't. 
Now, in time, can he become that player? Absolutely. But there are going to be some growing pains for him as he tries to adapt defending the run. He's got some issues in coverage. going to have to work through. Pass rushing, there's inconsistency. He is a raw player. But seeing his first step, Alton Robinson had three pressures in this game as well. They got a couple from Daryl Taylor. We'll get to more on Daryl Taylor's performance later in the show. But you can see the athleticism the Seahawks have off the edge in this 3-4 defense. They're still going to be playing plenty of four-man fronts as well where several of these guys can play as defensive ends. So there's some positional flexibility, some versatility as far as scheme goes. And so you've got a little bit of a taste of that. You want to see more consistency, but they were able to get after the quarterbacks quite a bit in this preseason opener. Now, mentioning the tackling, I think that's the biggest takeaway for me in this game. And I'm not surprised <laughs> by this because I'm just going to be frank with you, Rob. I've been in almost every single training camp practice for the Seahawks. I missed a couple of them getting ready for my wedding. I missed one early in August, but that particular one was just a non-padded walkthrough. I've been at every padded practice. The Seahawks have not done any real tackling practice to speak of. They have yet to do one-on-ones with the offensive and defensive line in padded practices. I just, I'm just going to say this right now. It doesn't seem like there has been enough true football activity on the practice field for the Seahawks. And so maybe that is something that needs to be prioritized. They can't do it this week because they got a short week and you want to keep your guys fresh. But at some point, they are going to have to do more football-related activities, more tackling and getting off blocks, things of that nature. And it just doesn't seem like they've done any of that. It showed in this game because there were probably 25 missed tackles by the Seahawks in this game with most of them being on defense. It was happening at all three levels. You saw it with the corners. You saw it with the linebackers. You saw it with the defensive linemen, the edge rushers. Everybody got in the mix as far as that's concerned. They, they really did. And, uh, you know, I, of course, I, I've been on the road um, and uh, evaluating some of the other teams in the NFL. And, and so it has been interesting to just see how different clubs run their training camp practices. Um, to your point about the lack of active hitting um, and, and kind of one on ones, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I'm seeing that a lot more. Um, say in in Kansas City, for example, Andy Reid is well known for that, and I absolutely promise you that Mike Tomlin, the Pittsburgh Steelers, are hitting. Um, and that was one of the things that I would agree with you. I, I just saw a different level of physicality uh, from from some uh, and just consistent clean open field tackling um, from Seattle. And, and I have not been to as many training camp practices this year for the Seahawks as you have, but I can tell you that uh, some of the players that Seattle is most excited about, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, they have had some problems with just clean wrap-up tackling in the past. So that's something that Nick and I kind of talked about. We, we expressed some concerns that this might be the case, um, and it certainly was. And it's the biggest reason why, why Seattle lost that, lost this game. At the same time, I think that we also have to kind of, you know, when we're talking about tackling, I think they, it's a natural to kind of talk about the cornerbacks. And we, we've talked so positively about Tariq Woolen, about Kobe Bryant, um, and, and yet both of them had some rookie moments. Um, you know, of course, both of them getting beaten at times for, for big plays. Uh, Tariq Woolen, especially missing some tackles, um, was concerning. Um, you know, but at the same time, again, they, they are rookies. Um, and, and I think that, you know, you kind of understand that that's going to take place. Um, I, I would say one positive on the tackling front. Um, I, I was impressed by the young safeties. And we talked so much about Jamal Adams, Quadra Diggs, obviously. They're superstars. Uh, but Bubba Bolden, we talked about him uh, a lot. And Joey Blunt 
front from Virginia, I thought made some really nice, sure tackles on special teams and on defense. So those were some other players that kind of stood out uh, to me as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, you mentioned the corner play. I want to go to the middle of the defense real quick because you, we can continue this bad tackling theme with the linebackers. You saw some plays from the corners later in the afternoon, later in the evening, where Tariq Woolen was able to show off his speed. You saw some plays where Kobe Bryant was able to show off his football IQ. As Pete Carroll talked about today, they really rebounded after rough starts. But the linebacker position, I think you can see the depth concerns. And we have mentioned this a few times. When you don't have Jordan Brooks available, that certainly magnifies it because you have Cody Barton starting and then you got Joel E.A. Booneyway starting. And I thought he looked okay. There were some tackles left in the field, obviously. But then behind him, you've got Tanner Muse. Nick Ballore had a rough outing. And I think at this stage of Ballore's career, he is not an NFL linebacker. If you have to use him in an insurance situation, you can throw him in. But he's now in his mid-30s. This is not a player that was ever really a full-time linebacker, aside from one year in San Francisco. And now it's been several years since he was in San Francisco. I just don't see him being a guy that is going to play linebacker and, and give you consistent production. He missed a couple of tackles on defense last night. They were bad misses. And so... Keeping that in mind, I just think the linebacker depth, that is probably the area on defense, and I've said this a few times in recent shows, to me it is the biggest concern for this football team. You have to hope you can keep Jordan Brooks and Cody Barton healthy because if one of those guys gets banged up, the drop-off to the next level of guys, you know, maybe John Radigan comes back later in the season, he can help you out, but They've certainly got depth concerns at that position, and it was evident in this football game. The tackling was a problem at all four, at all three levels, but you could certainly notice at linebacker, there's a big dip in play with the players that are your second and third stringers right now. We'll get to one pl player that was an exception to that rule later in the show, but that group overall was not very impressive, and they are going to have to figure out depth there. Maybe that's a position they're looking on the waiver wire when we get to the 53-man roster cut down. But right now, overall, that is a group that certainly continues to create a bit of a red flag for the Seahawks from a depth perspective. When we come back in the third quarter, we're going to shift gears to our three-up, three-down segment, three players that helped their cause on defense, three players that didn't help their cause on the defensive side of the football. We're going to be checking out with our weekly stock watch here in a moment. It's almost the start of the NFL season, and I love this time of year. If you're into sports betting or fantasy, you need a competitive edge to win, and that's why I highly recommend the Elias Game Plan app. It's the ultimate sports betting and fantasy companion for the NFL, NBA, and MLB. Elias Game Plan is the only sports app from the most trusted name in sports stats, Elias Sports Bureau, the official statisticians of U.S. Pro Sports Leagues, including the NFL. Their app lets you access team and player stats, head-to-head -head team comparisons, and Elias insights from the Elias Sports Bureau's research team. This app really is your one-stop source for everything from player news to league-validated player stats and team records, expert game analysis for betting, building your fantasy team, and of course, impressing your friends. It's perfect for the preseason because you get player previews to help you draft a winning fantasy team and team previews so you know what to expect as the regular season 
kicks off. What I love about this app, I can see the key injuries that have the biggest impact on the outcome of a game. I can follow my favorite teams and players. I can quickly access all the news and updates for those players and teams. The app clearly labels betting options. It's super easy. Take my advice. Download the Elias Game Plan app today. New features are available all the time, so take your game to the next level. NFL season is right around the corner, so don't wait. Find Elias Game Plan in the App Store or Play Store today. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your favorite uh, cookie dough chunk puffs. They have a light and chewy texture, real chocolate, real cookie dough chunks. And of course, they're covered in 100% chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories and have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Run to built.com right now to snag a box for you and the family. It's the perfect treat, or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourself. Like all built bars, the new cookie dough chunk puff is covered in 100% real chocolate. That means they're healthy and tasty. Chocolate covered cookie dough with a light, fluffy texture. So good. Go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON15 and get 15% off your order. Again, that's Locked On 15 at Built.com for 15% off your order. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Tuesday edition. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. And make sure to check out the Locked On Fantasy Football podcast for your second listen. Find the intellectual fantasy expert, Vinny Iyer, who brings you over 20 years of NFL expertise and a unique angle to give you the moves no one else has. Get ready for your fantasy draft with Locked On Fantasy Football. It's time for our three up, three down defensive side of the football. Nick Lee and I yesterday looked at the offensive side. Let's start with the positives, Rob. Players that bolstered their stock or had really good performances in the preseason opening loss to the Steelers. I think I know which player you're going to roll with here first. Might have mentioned him a tidbit in the last segment. <laughs> yeah, I did. I got I got so excited uh, talking you know, talking about Boye Mafia and Miles Adams that I kind of jumped the gun a little bit. <clears throat> and actually, I think that Mafia is going to be the one that gets so much of the hype. And so that's why I'm going to focus in a little bit more on Miles Adams. Uh, I just think that, you know, we talked about this, and, and I don't want to include you in this, Corbin, but I certainly questioned his fit in a 3-4 alignment at his size. We're talking about a guy who's 290 pounds, but plays more like he's 275. He His game is quickness. He's a penetrator, and, and that's typically not what you want from a 3-4 defense. But, of course, we, we all know that the way the quarterbacks are running the game now, and, and, and basically you have to get pressure on quarterbacks. And so those big run stuffers in the middle, um, you know, usually don't get as much pressure on quarterbacks. So you want to have a guy who can kind of change things up. And perhaps that's going to be Shelby Harris. Perhaps that's going to be Quentin Jefferson again for the Seahawks, another quality veteran. But I was just so encouraged by the play of Miles Adams. Uh, you know, this was multiple tackles for loss. Um, and as I mentioned before, he didn't gain credit for that that third and one stop, but it was he and the aforementioned Boye Mafe who, you know, kind of tripped up the, the Pittsburgh running back on third and one to set up that fourth and one. And Kenny Pickett tried to outrun Boye Mafe. And quarterbacks are going to learn you're not going to be able to outrun Boye Mafe. And so to me, that was the most exciting aspect of it is just seeing Miles Adams, again, kind of a guy that a lot of people maybe are not talking about very much, but sees that opportunity. Very similar to the way that I thought the DJ Dallas 
was arguably the best player on the field for Seattle offensively. I thought that Miles Adams was the best player on defense for the Seahawks and in terms of the entire game and what he was able to uh produce it talked about boy mafe before and then the other linebackers you know while there were some ugly missed tackles by jones made some interesting plays and i know corbin that you have been on by jones basically since the, the rookie minicamp yeah he impressed me at the rookie minicamp he impressed me at otas and there's certainly some things that you have to look at maybe as yellow flags a little bit he's only 225 pounds mm-hmm. but Vi Jones is an outstanding athlete. We're talking about a guy that can run in the four fours, high 30s in terms of vertical jump. So he's got explosion. He's quick. And this is a guy that had six sacks at North Carolina State playing in the ACC competition last year. Now, I talked to him today before practice, and he made it clear that he was not surprised that he did not get a combine invite because he hasn't started very many games at the college level. So he really wasn't surprised that he was kind of under the radar and he had to do things a little bit differently to get, you know, the attention of NFL teams. The Seahawks have been a team that were in on him, though, throughout the pre-draft process. Their linebacker coaches, their defensive coordinator, everybody was keeping tabs on this kid because he's got the athletic ability. He has football in his DNA. His father played for the Dallas Cowboys, was a starter for their three Super Bowl teams in the 90s. Both of his brothers played in the NFL. Zay Jones is still playing in the league. And so he's got football in his blood and you can see that with the way that he plays the game you can tell he's got a high football IQ but he made one of my favorite plays in this preseason game blew up the running back in pass protection the only play they sent him on a blitz and it was actually a delayed blitz at that but knocked the running back off of his feet onto his duff just blew him up and Pete Carroll was gushing about this play today after practice and then he gets the sack in the backfield That was one of the best plays they had. He finished with six tackles on the evening. He had one missed tackle, but it wasn't near as egregious as a lot of the other missed tackles. I thought he was much more efficient getting ball carriers down to the ground. They were using him some at outside linebacker at today's practice. So they're mixing and matching a little bit. This is a guy that's got some pass rushing ability. So why not see if he can play that outside linebacker spot? So they're taking a look at him at multiple spots. He's a really good special teams player on top of that. And so I thought Vi Jones was one of the bigger surprises in this game. He's been kind of quiet in training camp, but he is gaining momentum. And clearly Pete Carroll thinks highly of this kid. The linebacker depth that this team has, the lack of depth, if he can keep things going in the second preseason game, I think he can put himself on the right side of the bubble. As for the other two players you mentioned, I already talked a lot about Boye Mafe and that sequence when he made a special teams tackle, then a strip sack, had another sack later in the game where he chased down Kenny Pickett. I mean, we saw the athletic traits. But Miles Adams, to me, maybe was more of a revelation because this is a guy that continues to be under the radar, an undrafted player out of Rice a few years ago. You mentioned his lack of size, and yet he seems like he can handle this 3-4 defense because he plays with good leverage. He is physical for his size. He can two-gap. He can one-gap. He, by trade, is a penetrating defensive tackle, but he's shown he can two-gap, and he did some of that in this football game. I think right now, He's putting a lot of pressure on LJ Collier for that final spot at defensive tackle. In fact, I listed Collier on the right side of the bubble this morning when I had my latest 53-man roster projection, but basically I was playing his two-face off Batman. I was flipping a coin because I don't know who's going to get that spot. Collier's been banged up. Adams looked so good the other night. 
He's going to be cheaper to have on the roster too. I think the Seahawks have a very tough decision they're going to have to make there because of how well Miles Adams is playing and how much the coaching staff seems to like him, his fit with his defense, and just the work ethic he brings to the table. Now let's go to the flip side. We've done our three up, now the three down. You mentioned his name in the second quarter, Tariq Woolen. I don't want to pile it on the kid because, again, I think he came back in the second part of the game on Saturday, and I thought he played pretty well and had a couple plays where he was all over the receiver. Unfortunately, there were three egregious errors that happened in this game. He had two really bad missed tackles, and the first touchdown that Pittsburgh had, I believe, and I have to go back and look at the All-22. I've only seen the broadcast film, but they were clearly in zone, and he ended up chasing a receiver inside, same spot that Justin Coleman was residing, and Coleman was in the right spot. But that had allowed the receiver to come wide open on a corner route. And you could see how frustrated the safety Josh Jones was because the player that was supposed to be there was Tariq Woolen. And so he botched that coverage, had a couple of missed tackles. Those are welcome to the NFL moments. And he had a great practice today. So he's bounced back from that first taste of adversity. That being said, it was a pretty challenging first game for him. And you could really say the same for Kobe Bryant as well. Both rookies have been so impressive. And yet, their first game against another team, uh, there were plenty of plays that left a lot to be desired from the two guys. There were, but as we talked about, you know, they're rookies. Kobe Bryant, of course, making that that position switch. A lot, a lot of people yeah. uh, appreciate how difficult it is when you've been playing outside most of your career to go inside. We've talked about this before. You're just that much closer to the big bodies, so there's just a lot more run responsibility. You really have to have your head on a swivel. So I was encouraged by both of them. Uh, Kobe Bryant in particular, um, you know, the, the Tariq Woolen with the missed tackles, again, that was the biggest reason I was concerned about this, this young man on tape, um, because there is no denying his athletic ability and his fit in Pete Carroll's defense. I think he's going to be a superstar, but let, let's hold off on the Richard Sherman comparisons because as, as great of an interceptor and trash talker, a man-to-man -man corner and zone corner, just as his instincts, Richard Sherman was arguably, or at least in my opinion, he was the best open field tackling cornerback I think I've ever seen. I mean, just he uses that length so well to lasso guys that just most cornerbacks have no chance to get to. And then he was physical as well. And, and Woolen, you see flashes of. Uh, but at the same time, the missed tackle was big, and it started off from the very beginning. Now, for those uh, Seahawks fans who watched the entire game, saw Josh Turner wearing number 38, not uh, Tariq Woolen number th wearing number 39, get beat the very, very end for the actual game-winning touchdown by the Steelers. Again, that was Josh Turner. It's sometimes easy to get those numbers confused. Uh, but at the same time, it was a similar kind of mistake. It was a missed tackle. It wound up getting Josh Turner cut from the Seahawks, and I w certainly wish him well in his future endeavors. Tariq Woolen, of course, is not in danger of being cut. But at the same time, he, it doesn't matter how good your coverage is, Corbin, and you know this as well. If you are not a reliable open field tackler, then a team like the Denver Broncos, while they might have Russell, they, they also got Javante, uh, Javante Williams and, and Melvin Gordon as well. And they will pound the rock right down your throat. So that is something that absolutely has to get fixed. Yeah, he's going to have to clean it up. And this is, again, a, a team-wide issue. So I don't know how the Seahawks are going to tackle this problem, but they're going to have to find a way to get some extra work in on the practice field that's closer to what they're going to be doing in game situations. 
And so I don't know how Pete Carroll is going to be navigating those waters because it's so tough now with the lack of contact and just trying to keep players fresh. The way the game has changed in terms of practices, whatever they choose to do, they got to do something because this entire defense was struggling to get ball carriers to the field. And that's typical in the first preseason game anyway, but it seemed like it was more magnified than usual in this first contest. We've mentioned Woolen and Kobe Bryant. They both allowed touchdowns in coverage. Certainly, they've bounced back. Both guys had good practices today. The Seahawks still are very excited about where they fit into their game plan as far as rookies and moving forward. I want to talk about Daryl Taylor here on our three down because I mentioned earlier he had two pressures. So it wasn't all bad. But this is a player that you and I have both been talking up all offseason, all training camp. He's just been killing Seattle's tackles on the practice field. I thought he had a pretty disappointing first preseason game, though. He got blown up on a couple of run plays. That is still the one area that I have the biggest concern with him. Can he hold up setting the edge against the run, particularly if he's playing as a defensive end in four-man fronts? If the Seahawks do that with him, I don't know if he has enough physicality and enough strength to be able to hold up. And we saw some issues where he was getting bullied in this game. Also missed a couple of tackles, didn't record a tackle in this game. So you consider those factors that he was missing tackles, he was getting abused in the line of scrimmage at times. Those are not things that you want from a player that you believe can be a Pro Bowl caliber talent. And you and I have such high expectations for him. He's looked so good. There were certainly some promising pass rushes, but this is not what I anticipated to see from Daryl Taylor. And I'm hoping in the second preseason game that we see more of what we've seen from 52 in training camp practices where he has been a factor defending the run and he hasn't been pushed around because that was certainly what happened on Saturday night. And it was a bit surprising to be honest, considering the off season and the training camp that he has had. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think it's a fair evaluation of him. I mean, just that he has risen the bar. And so we do expect greatness from him. And so to basically get blanked in a game where Pittsburgh threw the ball an awful lot, um, you know, obviously Boye Mafe and by Jones, each had their uh, production in terms of being pass rushers. Um, and then in the running game as well, to get knocked around the way that he does is a little bit concerning. Uh, you know, I was there, there were definitely some, some plays on tape um, that were, you know, kind of the opposite of the highlights. They were the lowlights, uh, you know, from a Daryl Taylor perspective. One in particular, he's pass rushing, and he, he's coming off that right tackle side. And it's like he gets himself kind of not sure what to do, so he jumps up in the air. And the right tackle does what any good right tackle will do when he's got an edge rusher up in the air. He lifts him and then throws him on the ground uh, and basically emphatically pancakes him and just uses that girth. Uh, you know, to, uh, you know, to make quite the impression uh, on Daryl Taylor. So again, kind of like we talked about with Tariq Woolen, you, you see the upside, you see the talent, you know, they're just kind of working through some of the, some of the growing pains of being a young player. But of course the NFL season is only a couple of weeks away. And just like Woolen, you are, especially with Taylor, you are expecting him to be one of the true difference makers for this club. So average or below average play is just simply not acceptable. He's got to step it up. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Check out Locked on Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, five days a week on YouTube. Coming up on our Wednesday episode, we're going to shift gears to Seattle's next preseason game, which is coming up on Thursday. Going to check out what's new with the Chicago Bears. Take a look at their 2022 draft class, and we'll answer your questions in our weekly mailbag segment. You'll want to tune in. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.